We welcome you to the REST podcast. The messages you will hear have been taken from sessions from past REST conferences. We pray that God will use this message to encourage and strengthen you in your walk with the Lord and your ministry for Him. I remember the day of my husband's ordination. Um, I was 26 years old, and we were so excited. We had been serving in a church, and he was a youth pastor, and we just had the biggest time with those kids. We just, I guess we were kids enough ourselves that we still could do all of that, you know, the all-nighters and eating pizza all the time, and, you know, we just had such a great time with them, and we just adored those kids. But one day, um, our pastor received a call. We were serving in Kingston, Tennessee with Pastor Ray Bearden, and he received a call from a pastor, or excuse me, from a church. It was a deacon, and um, the deacon said, uh, Brother Bearden, we are looking for a pastor. And he said, do you have anybody that you could recommend for us? And um, our pastor said, you know, I, I really can't think of anybody right now and I don't know how the conversation went because of course I wasn't there but he said I'm sorry I can't and he told us he said as I was laying the phone down that's when you used to remember lay phones down on the receiver he said the Lord said to me you could send David Renee and he said I said well Lord you know I really can't send them because they're my he's my youth pastor and boy we were having like I said such a great time with those kids but he said the Lord kept working on his heart and saying, you, you could send them. You, you could send them. So just to make a long story short, it was a beautiful day when the church that we were at and we were being sent from joined with the church that was calling my husband to pastor. And both sets of deacons and both congregations came together for the ordination of my husband into the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And of course, as a young wife, I was 26 years old, I'm sitting there just taking all of this in. I mean, it was just such a, a beautiful day of people that loved us and had invested in us and prayed for us, our families. You know, I looked as uh, uh, the men of God that were there, David's grandfather, who was such a godly man, who had prayed and prayed and prayed with David, had many times taken him out to what they call the shop. He had a, a little cabinet shop where he worked and built cabinets. And he was also a preacher, but they would go out there and they would pray and David has so many wonderful um, memories and experiences of that time and here's his grandfather preaching for his ordination and of course you know just tears in the family's eyes my dad was there who was also a preacher and he stood there and and, and he gave a charge to my husband and, and here is the man that raised me and taught me of God, my first really understanding of a father's love. He's there giving his support and giving his um, um, con uh, confirmation for my husband to go into the ministry. And it was just beautiful. And I'm just sitting there taking it all in and enjoying it and loving uh, what is being said. When all of a sudden this thought hit me, during that ordination service, I thought, This is going to make me a pastor's wife. You know, I hadn't even thought about that. Now, I'm sitting here, not great with child, great with children. I was pregnant with twins, all right? So I'm already emotional, you know, with all of that that goes on. And I thought, I didn't even think about this. And truly, even though I grew up in a pastor's home, and even though my mother was a pastor's wife, it really had not sunk into me until that moment. 
this is going to be official, and I'm going to be a pastor's wife. And then fear, I remember, it was like fear gripped my heart, and I thought, what am I going to do? You know, here I am expecting my first children. What am I going to say to people that come to me and need help with their children? I don't know. You know, I've never even, I've never even had them yet. And, and when people have problems and things that I don't know, what am I going to do? And I sit there for a few moments, really troubled, thinking that this, this poor church that was bringing us there, boy, they were really going to have a problem with this pastor's wife who, who just had no experience and, you know, nothing to offer. But you know what? The sweet Holy Spirit, I'll never forget it, spoke to me during that service. And I felt like this Holy Spirit say to me, just give him my word. Just give him my word. Because my word will not return void. Isaiah 55:11 says this, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Interesting. Fast forward 23 years. Three months ago, my husband took a new pastor. God called him, the church called him to pastor in Cleveland, Tennessee, the Shenandoah Baptist Church. And I remember just being so thrilled and overwhelmed with the sweet people there. And I have three of my ladies here with me, and I'm just so blessed to have them here. But the people were so loving, so welcoming. But almost immediately as we begin to, to love them, and boy, God just instantly put a love in our heart for them, wanting to serve them, wanting to help them. And as I begin to listen to their stories, I begin to hear things of what different people were going through. Here's just some examples. I learned of a beautiful, beautiful godly woman who was battling terminal cancer. These three ladies here know exactly who I'm talking about. We just had her service two weeks ago. Godly woman. Off, right off the bat, I met a young couple who had just heard that their child had special needs. 20 years ago, that was me. I knew the pain they were going through. I, I, she would talk to me about the things that they're facing right now. I can still see myself as a young mom sitting in a doctor's office and hearing a doctor say to us, this child will never be normal. And I was trying to explain everything that we were doing to, to help and to everything I was trying to do with him. And the doctor said, you've got to understand, he's never going to be normal, no matter what you do. I remember the nights crying myself to sleep. I remember trying to let go of all the wonderful plans that you have the day you bring him home. And now here's this young mother telling me, my story. I know her pain. There's a godly young woman in our church right now who's faithfully serving that her husband recently left her. A mother sits with tears in her eyes and tells me about a daughter that they've invested so much in that has rejected everything that they have taught her. I was practicing with a gentleman who was going to sing and he began to tell me the story of his daughter who not so long ago, died, left three small children. I have not lost a child, but I understand the pain of loss, for it was just not too long ago that I, st I remember 
putting my hands on the top of my father's gravestone, laying my head on that gravestone, and weeping, thinking that the man who invested so much in me, who never needed anything as long as his girls had what they needed, his body was six feet under the ground, underneath my feet. And now this man's telling me loss, and I understand what it means to lose. At our ministry, we have a unique home. It's called the Haven for Girls, and it's, it's a place where girls who just need a fresh start, who need someone to help them, who are lost, maybe their parents are lost, uh, just need godly people to invest in them. And as I've talked to a few of them, I begin to see how monumental this task is. And literally, here I am, like I said, 23 years later, standing in my living room one morning with a phone in my hand. People are texting me things. I'm trying to text and be a blessing and pray. And I remember standing there thinking, Lord, I don't know if I have all that I need to help everybody here. I just love them so much already. I want to help them so much. But I don't know that I have what I need to say to them or encourage them. And guess what the Holy Spirit did for me? Once again, he spoke the same thing to me. He said, Renee, give them my word. You know, it's interesting, the account in John 21 of Jesus talking to Peter. And he, Jesus was trying to get Peter to understand a concept. And he said to Peter, lovest thou me? And Peter's like, yes, Lord, I love you. What was Jesus' response to him? feed my sheep. And so Jesus said again, lovest thou me more than these? And Peter's like, yes, Lord. And Jesus like, feed my sheep. Was Jesus talking about food that they needed for their physical body? Was he talking about a meal they needed to prepare for these people? No. Jesus was saying to pe Peter, my people, my lambs, my sheep need bread of life. They need something substantial that's going to sustain them in time of famine. They're going to need doctrine that will anchor their soul. I recently heard this comment, and when I heard it, it so vividly said, I guess what I knew, but I'd never heard it verbalized this way. In times of crisis, the verses you have memorized will be your anchor. When I heard that, I grabbed my phone as quickly as I can, and I tried to get to my notes section. I'm not the best at technology, but I'm getting there, and I'm wanting to write that down because I thought, Lord, I need to memorize more scripture. I need to have the word of God inside of me so that it's a part of who I am, that it can't be taken away from me because we never know what we're going to face. We're not going to know what moment we are going to need the Holy Spirit of God to minister grace to our soul. We, we can't really plan for those things. We have to be in the word of God and taking the word of God into us. And I was so challenged that day because I know that's true. In times of fear, I've heard the Lord whisper to me, fear thou not, for I am with thee. In times of need, I have heard God whisper in my ear, in my heart, but my God shall supply all your needs. In times of loneliness, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. I've thought about nights when I've cried out unto the Lord, and verses just flood my heart, almost like a salve that you're putting on a wound. The word of God is a wellspring that keeps coming forth with life and truth and hope and it's in the word of God 
I'd like you to take your Bible with me, if you will, and go to Judges chapter 4. God's Word gives us a beautiful account of a woman who was faithful to give the Word of God. That was her calling. That was what the Lord wanted to use her for in this time. And she faithfully gave his words. I'm talking about the woman, Deborah. <coughs> you know, it's interesting when um, Pastor Hooks um, asked if I would do this session. It was almost like immediately the Holy Spirit just said, put in my heart, Deborah. And I thought to myself, to my shame, I knew the story of Deborah, but I thought, Lord, I don't know a lot, a lot, a lot about her. But I just felt like that's what the Lord wanted for me to study, for me to share with you. And as I've looked at this woman, God has given me such hope that we as pastor's wives, youth pastor's wives, assistant pastor's wives, whatever capacity you have, mothers, wives, friends, we can have a ministry by giving the word of God. Look, if you will, with me. Judges chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. When Ehud was dead... And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, and reigned in Hezar, the captain of whose host was Sisera, which dwelt in Herothsheth of the Gentiles. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and 20 years he mightily oppressed the children of Israel. And Deborah the prophetess, the wife of Lepidoth, she judged Israel at that time. And she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. So right here we see in verses 1 through 5 that she was a prophetess. Deborah was a judge. The people here, the children of Israel, came to her for counsel. They came to her for guidance. They came to her, and when they would come, she would speak with great wisdom. Look, if you will, at Judges verse 4. Or 4, verse 4. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, she judged Israel. And in my Bible, I circled those three words. God spoke to me about that. At that time. It was right at this time that God had given her this opportunity. And she was taking that opportunity at the fullest to give a witness for the Lord. This was her specific assignment from the Lord for a specific time. Keep your hand there, but turn over, if you will, to Judges chapter 5. Right, this is the same account of the story, but more as a praise after the victory was won. In ch chapter 5, verse 7, it says, The inhabitants of the village ceased. They ceased in Israel until that I, Deborah, arose, that I arose a mother in Israel. And by the way, I love the inspiration of the Word of God. I mean, when you look at the Word of God, it is beautiful and it tells stories, but if you look at what God is saying, there's so much. It's so deep. And right here, she's called the mother of Israel. And we know that she's not the biological mother of all these people. But God has put her there as the caring woman in their midst. The one who's looking out for their needs. A woman of great influence for a certain amount of time for a certain group of people. Deborah dwelt among the people. They came to her for help, direction, counsel. And she would give them 
the word of the Lord. Now she did this continually, but in this account of scripture, go back to chapter four, we have one example. So if you will start reading with me in verse six. And she sent and called Barak, the son of Abinoam, out of Kadesh Naphtali, and saith unto him, Hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go and draw toward Mount Tabor, and take with thee ten thousand men of the children of Naphtali, and of the children of Zebulun? And I will draw unto thee to the river Kishon, Sisera, the captain of Jabin's army, with his chariots and with his multitude, and I will deliver him into thy hand. And Barak said unto her, If thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with thee. Notwithstanding, the journey that thou takest shall be not, or not be for thine honor, for the Lord shall sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. And Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. Deborah sent for this man. And she, this was the captain of the military. All right, this is, this is high-ranking business, all right? So she sent for him, and she said, this is what the Lord wants you to do. And he looks at her and says, well, I'll do it, but you have to go with me. If you don't go with me, I'm not going to go. And I just see the beauty in her looking up at him and saying, I'll go with you, but when we go, I want you to know that the battle is the Lord's and that the victory is the Lord's. And so I would just love to go through all this whole story, but it's so wonderful how that God just dismantles this military. And, you know, you have the captain of the guard, the strong Sisera, and he takes off, and he runs into this tent, and there's a woman named Jael, and while he is sleeping, she takes a, you know, a nail and takes a hammer and goes right through the temples of his forehead, and God gets the victory. I mean, you know, here you've got this great captain of the guard, Barak, but God uses a woman to bring him down, and so there's so much rejoicing, and we're going to look at a little bit of that in a minute, but today I want to look at three things in Deborah's life that God has helped me with as I've studied this woman about how she, as a woman of influence, with a group of people for just a certain amount of time, we're not going to be here forever, ladies. There's only a certain amount of time. And right now, God has ordained. And maybe you're sitting there just like I have two specific occasions in my life as my husband is ministered for the gospel. I have thought, Lord, I'm, I'm not able. I don't know. There's not enough of me. I, I'm, I'm so inadequate. And I have just, just almost with confidence heard the Holy Spirit say to me, give my words. What did De Deborah do? Number one, Deborah answered the people by giving them the word of God. They came to her with problems. They came to her with, with probably arguments. They came with her needing judgment. And Deborah was God's mouthpiece to give the children of Israel the word of God. You know, ladies, as I studied this, I begin to think, I think this is what the Lord wants us to do in the nature of the calling upon our husband's lives. You know, God has called him to preach and to pastor a group of people or to take care of a group of teenagers or to assist a pastor um, in, in many opportunities. But what's going to happen is you know we're going to have people come to us. They're going to say this problem. Uh, I have this struggle. I have this issue. And I think God wants us, as we labor beside our husband, to just give them the truths of God's word. You are in their midst at this time. This is your assignment right now. 
You are a woman of influence, whether you signed up for it, whether you planned for it to be this way, whether you, um, you know, this has been the dream of your life or not, you are a woman of influence just because of the calling of God upon your husband's life. And you must be faithful to give the people the word of God. You know, I thought about what would it have been like to be Deborah and just sit there under that palm tree. You know, she just sit there. And as people would come to their problems, and I thought, even the captain of the military, and she would just boldly speak the word of God. And I thought, what was that like for her to be able to sit there and just be of, of such confidence that she could just give the word of God? And as I was studying, the Lord said to me, you have the whole counsel you have my words. You are just like Deborah. You know, God spoke differently through this time where he would speak through her. She did not get to sit there and hold her Bible. God spoke through her. But do you know, ladies, we have the precious, precious word of God. The Lord brought this verse to me, John 1.1. 1, 1, In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. When we give people the word, it's like we're giving them Jesus. Why would I ever try to think that I had to match up to the precious word, Jesus himself, when I'm dealing with people? We can boldly give the word of the Lord. Truly, it's a wonderful thing for a church to have a caring pastor's wife, assistant pastor's wife, a youth pastor's wife, who will open her mouth with wisdom. We get so many opportunities to speak. Are we opening our mouth with wisdom? This is a special assignment for you for only a certain amount of time, for only this group of people, that you get to be God's mouthpiece of truth. Proverbs 31.26 says, She openeth her mouth with wisdom. In her tongue is the law of kindness. Colossians 4.6, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. I want you to see this one. Turn, if you will, with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 15. The Bible said, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers why does God give these people to the church why has God picked your family up and moved you to where you are many of you are not where you were raised you're not with your family why are you there here's the answer for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, and to a perfect man, and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, that may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. We have the truth of God. Our congregation, especially our women who will come to us, they don't need to be tossed and just run around and frazzled. We have the truth. We can look at them with authority, and we can say, this is what God says. You don't have to be a nervous wreck. You don't have to live in fear. This is what God says. 
Like Deborah, we can say, thus saith the Lord. It is our authority. It is the rock upon which we can stand. It is our cornerstone. It is the truth that will set people free. Number two, not only did Deborah give the word of God, boldly give the word of God, Deborah was willing to go with Barak on a journey to follow the command of God. Here's how the story goes, just to review. Deborah said, God has commanded you to do this, Barak. Barak, look, Barak looks at her and says, all right, I will do it, but you have to go with me. If you don't go with me, I'm not going to go. And she looks up to him and says, I'll come. I'll come. The Lord brought this to my mind as a question to me, but I also ask it as a question to you. Who are you right now on a journey with in your ministry or in your life as they follow the word of God? Who are we journeying with as they follow God? Just like Deborah looked at Barak and said, I will come. Are we looking at people in our lives and saying, I'm with you. I'm here. This is the word of the Lord. I'm assured of it. I know this is God's word. And you're standing there with him in this walk. Of course, the first person that comes to my mind is my husband. Oh, how important our words are as either an encouragement or a hindrance to our husband. You know, we get the unique privilege to minister to the man of God like no one else has. Because as his wife, we are one flesh. God sees us as one. So when you are in your home, you're going to see his pain. You're going to see his discouragement. You're going to understand his trials. If you're like me, I can feel the oppression. I, I know when I'm with my husband, if he's burdened, if there's something weighing him down. He doesn't have to say anything to me. And a lot of times, you know, he comes home and I can tell maybe he doesn't want to talk, but I still sense that and I feel it. And you know, God is teaching me that I can speak truth to him Am I going to open my mouth with wisdom? Am I going to strengthen him during these hard times? Or am I going to look at him and go, oh, what are you going to do, David? You know, that's terrible. You know, it's going to all fall apart. What can I say? Is that what's going to be my reaction? You know, this, this happened many years ago, and the Lord brought it to my mind. I'm so glad he did. Because that is my nature, to think, what are you going to do? You know, we kind of have a joke, and I, <laughs> something will happen, I'll go, what are you going to do, David? You know, and so it's kind of a joke now, but that's sort of how I, you know, I was. But I remember one night sitting in David's office with him. This was years ago. We were so discouraged. You know, one of the beautiful things about marriage is usually, you know, this one might be discouraged, and this one's upbeat, and we just, you know, pull the other one up. But sometimes you're both down. Sometimes you're both, you're both are hurting. Sometimes you both are crying. And this was one of those moments. We were discouraged. Um, maybe felt like failures. And we were just trying to rehash what we were doing and brokenhearted, really. And I remember I looked across the desk at him, and we were just quiet. And I remember looking in his eyes, and I said, you know, David, I think we're just going to have to trust that verse that when Jesus said to Peter, upon this rock, I'll build my church. 
And I'll never forget David's response. He was, he was quiet, of course. It was a somber moment. And I remember him looking in my eyes. I can still see David's eyes looking at me. And he said, you know what? You're right. You're right. And I remember seeing his face just kind of soften up. And I thought, I'm not right. We both had nothing at this point. But God's word is a wellspring. And it just springs up in you hope. Are we speaking words of truth? Are we speaking words of wisdom to our husband? What about our children? I heard the statement one time and I love it. A mother is the person who gets the front row seat in a child's life. Think about that for a minute. Right, someone important comes in and we're like, oh, you come to the front row. This is your seat. We save this for you. This is the most important seat. You sit here. Our speakers. But I want you just to kind of look back at Kaylee. She's sitting in the front row of this little child's life. You as a mom have that front row status. Who do they call when the child's sick? Who's the first call? Mom. Who does the child come to when they're hungry? Mom. Who's usually the first person that they'll come to when they're hurt? Mom. You know, dads are great, and boy, we need this security. But if the kids get hurt, ah, oh, you're all right. You know, just get back out there. But mom's, ah. When they need something, we're sitting right there in the front row seat. It's us. It's us. Only for a time. Only for a specific assignment. What an honor. What are we doing with the amazing opportunities for this time in our children's life? Are we giving them truth? I have a funny story that sort of illustrates this. My sister's amazing. I have two sisters. They're both amazing. Um, the one I'm going to talk to you about is my sister, Lynn. Her children just know, ev I mean, they just seem like they know everything. When they were little, they would tell you who all the presidents were. And, um, you know, they would sing all the Bible verses and all the references and, and I just was so amazed. And I remember one time, when, this is way back when we had answer machines, we, we came home one night and we hit the answer machine and it was my little niece, Lauren, and she goes, Michael, Mitchell, Bethany, make sure you go outside. Tonight's the eclipse. And here's my three kids who are much older. They're going, what's an eclipse? <laughs> you know, here's a child who can barely speak. And she's telling them, and my kids are like. And I remember saying to Lynn one time, I said, Lynn, how do you do it? I mean, how do you do it? How, how do your, your kids know everything? I said, do you just sit and, 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 and just go, like, one day we work on presidents and one day we work on Bible verses. I said, and she's like, you know, Renee, I, I don't really have a plan. She said, it's just whatever I'm doing, I'm always giving truth. I'm always telling them. I'm, she's, here's an example, and this was her example. She said, okay, for instance, when we go to the gas station, we pull into the gas station and she said, I'll say to my children, all right, girls, mommy has to get out of the car and get gas. We have to have gas in our car in order for our car to go. And the gas costs money, so I have to pay for the money. Now, the gas is in this little machine right here, and mama's going to open this up and put it in our gas tank. And then once we have gas in the car, we can go for many, many miles. And I looked at my sister, and I said, well, that explains it. <laughs> Here's what happens when I go to the gas station. I pull in. I put the car in park, turn it off, and I turn around and I say, if anybody gets out of this van, you're 
in trouble. I go pump my gas, and that's all they know. <laughs> but you know what? She had a truth. She had a truth. Turn, if you will, with me and go to Deuteronomy. She was right. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I commanded thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. The words, see it says the words, my words. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house. And when thou walkest by the way. And when thou liest down and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand. And they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. This was God's command to the families. Make sure your children know the truth. Make sure that they are ready with the, with the truth of God's word. You know, God's word gave us the example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those were three boys that were taken into captivity when they were young. But you know what? Somebody had invested in their life. And when it came time for them to face the fire, those boys were not afraid. They said, you know, make it known if God saves us or if he doesn't, we will only serve the true God. Think about Daniel. He was taken away from his mom and dad when he was just a young boy as well. And he became this man of prayer, and he understood the consequences of standing for truth. He might have to face the lions, but you know what? It didn't faze him because he had truth. He was armed with truth. I thought of the little maid, Naaman's um, wife's servant little girl. Here were her words. I copied them out of scripture. When he needed help, she looked at her, her master's wife and said, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover of his leprosy. Someone had taught that little girl that if you can get to the man of God, he will know what to do. He will give truth. I ask you this, are your children being taught the truth of God's word? We've got to make sure that before they leave our home, they know the truth. You know, so many times, and we all laugh about it, and it's true, and I've done it so many times, the children ask, why? Why? And what is the most classic answer of a mother in charge of the home? Because I said so. Right? And of course, you could say, children, obey your parents and the Lord. That's good. But you know what? Mommy, why do we have to go to church all the time? Oh, because God's word said don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. Explain what that means. Mom, why do we have to read the Bible? Oh, because God's word said it's a lamp. It's going to be a light that will guide you your whole life. That's truth. Mama, why do we have to pray? Oh, because the Bible says if we call unto God, he's going to answer us and show us things that we wouldn't have even known. Why wouldn't we pray? These are truths. We can open our mouth with wisdom. What about women in your church who come to you with real problems, difficult situations? Take them to the word of God. God helped me so much with this last week, and it was the power of the Holy Spirit because I was not prepared to go into a meeting with a lady with how it, how it turned out. This lady met with me, and I mean, bless her heart, my heart was just broken for her. She began to share, and I just had a list. She had family problems, health problems, financial problems. She was grieving. She was discouraged, and it was so many problems that I almost lost track, and I thought, how am I going to help her? And I was saying, Lord, help me, and I had brought her a journal, and I was just going to give it to her to help to write down maybe some notes that we talked about. And God, the Holy Spirit, just impressed on my heart to make a list. So I said, all right, let's make a list of everything you've told me. And we listed, boy, and these are big problems, I'm going to tell you. 
And I looked at her and I said, all right, this is your prayer list, but that's not all we're going to do. And I said, right beside it, on this side, we're going to put what God's word says about this. And she and I spent a long time searching scripture. And right beside the problem, we put God's answer, God's promise, something that she could hold on to. And I looked at her before we left, and I said, this is your prayer list. This is what you're going to have to choose to believe. The choice is yours. You're going to have to understand these are your problems. They are real. My heart is breaking for you. But the only thing I have to give you is the word of God. God loves for his children to hold him accountable to his word. That's what we call faith. Faith is says, this is what it says, Lord, I do not see this, but I'm going to trust you anyway. To have it verbatim from scripture, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Number four, the unsaved people in your community, the unsaved people you come in contact with. We must go. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Romans 10:14 says this, How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Ladies, we are the mouthpiece that God has chosen to give the gospel. He didn't have to use us. He could have painted it in the sky. He could have the hills crying out. He could have used anything he wanted. But for this time, for our special assignment, it's our mouthpiece to look at people in the grocery store, at the bank, wherever you go and say, listen, God loves you. Can I give you this? This is truth. As you hand them a tract. The greatest way to open your mouth with wisdom is when you tell someone about Christ. Finally, I saw that Deborah was able to give the words of the Lord. Deborah was willing to go with people on the journey. Just keep encouraging them in the word of God. And finally, Deborah recognized, number three, who deserved the honor and who deserved the praise. She looked right at Barak. And here she was, given the charge, really kind of taken over, you know, because this was God's assignment for her at this time. And she said to him, Barak, you need to get the army of God. This is what God has commanded. And he looks at her and he says, I'll do it, but you've got to go with me. And she looks up at him and says, I'll go. But Barak, the victory is the Lord's. She was very, very firm in that. Turn, if you will, back to Judges. I'm ending with this. Chapter 5. This is after that great battle and where God just really won the victory on his own. Judges 5, 1 says this, Then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, on that day, saying, Praise ye the Lord for avenging of Israel, when the people willingly offered themselves. Hear, O ye kings, give ear, O ye princes. I, even I, will sing unto the Lord. I will sing praise to the God, Lord God of Israel. Lord, when thou wentest out of Syria, or Sarah, when thou marchest out of the field of Edom, the earth trembled, and the heavens dropped. The clouds also dropped water. The mountains melted before, from before the Lord. Even that Sinai from before the Lord God of Israel. And here she's saying, God, you were faithful to your word. God, you won the victory. God, this is all about you. Have you ever been there in your praise and worship of Almighty God? You did not see any way out. You didn't see any answer. 
And all of a sudden, like the heavens opened up, and the rain began to fall. And all you could do is just say, God, this is you. This is you. And you know what, women, in our churches, as people begin to see and they, they take God's word and, and, and they come to you and they say, God did this for me. God answered my prayer. You can look right at them and you can say, God did that. Thank you. Thank you, Miss Renee, for helping me. My first response better be, oh, it was just the word of God. It was God that led us. It was God that, this is God. He's leading you. This is what Deborah did. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Friends, as we go back to our ministries, we're going back. We're getting suited up with armor, don't you feel it? <laughs> I sit there and I get so excited and I think, oh, oh, this is, this is for me. I need to be ready. I need to have the armor on. Let's be faithful to give others the word of God. Let's be willing to go on the journey with them. Let's give all the glory to God. Proverbs 31, 26, God says this about the virtuous woman. She openeth her mouth with wisdom. Thank you for listening. We hope the Lord has used this message to speak to you. The Rest Conference is a meeting designed to encourage and strengthen pastors, missionaries, evangelists, and their wives, along with other Christian workers serving the Lord in their local churches. REST 2021 is scheduled for September 6th through the 8th at the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. We hope that you and your spouse will make plans to be with us. For more information on REST, please visit our website, therestconference.com.